You're listening to Little Green Cheese, episode 81. Welcome back, Herd Nerds. I'm Gavin Weber, and this podcast is where you can learn about cheesemaking at home. Well, being busy on the cheesemaking front, you would have seen, if you watch my YouTube videos, you would have seen me do a uh, what's known as Oaxaca. Uh, and uh, one of the uh, voicemail questions this week is actually um, helped me out, and uh, I managed to get the pronunciation right on the on the video so that was a bonus now not not only did that uh, cheese taste absolutely fantastic it is actually all gone we had a pizza night on um on saturday just past invited some friends and family around and uh, we pulled all the strings out of the oaxaca the the uh, stretchy mexican it's also known as um mexican string cheese but we pulled all the strings out, laid them over the top of the pizzas, and when we put them in my homemade pizza oven, they just melted perfectly, browned on top, and when you ate the pizza, you got that like mozzarella-style um, stringiness, but not as much as you would expect because it's a fairly dry cheese um, in the category of pasta filata, so it's not as moist as mozzarella. Um, it tends to be drier, so you can form it into those long strings and they uh, and wind it into a ball like yarn so not only not only did i do the uh, the making of video i also did the i also did the uh, taste test video and you would have seen that as well um, a couple of days after that because it's a fresh cheese i thought well i'll split it into the how to and then the um, the, uh, the the eating or taste test video and that seemed to go out. Um, go out. That seemed to go without a hitch. So that was really good. So um, that's what I've been working on. Also, I did uh, a few recipes in the uh, the cheese making book. Keep calm and make cheese. The oh, sorry, keep calm and make more cheese, um, which is my second volume of my cheese book. And that'll have more recipes, which will be cool. So I finished a couple of recipes off this week as well. Anyway, um, other than that, we've been packing up orders and shipping them off to um, people all throughout the world. Um, and they've got all that cheesy goodness uh, and uh, are ready to make their own cheeses and follow the sorts of recipes and listen to this lovely podcast like you good people are. Okay, uh, we've got some news this week. Okay, this is from The Australian, uh, which is a newspaper here in Australia. Funny about that. Uh, it's by John Lethleen, who's a food writer. And the title of the story is Holy Goat Wins Producer of the Year at the Delicious Produce Awards. Uh, Holy Goat is a, a creamery or, or dairy um, here in Australia that makes some awesome goat cheese. Now I'll just read some of the article out to you. Um, it says here, the interview gets off to a clunky start. Yeah, I know, I'm like that. Uh, we're just splinting a goat's leg, says Anne-Marie Monda, 
from the shed on her farm in central Victoria. Can I get back to you? Being a celebrated cheesemaker is about so much more than turning milk into delicious curds. For Monda and partner Carla Muse, I think that's how you pronounce it, who farm goats make quite possibly Australia's best cheese outside the village of Sutton Grange near Castlemaine. It is about a life of commitment to their land, their herd and ultimately their craft, cheese making in the French style, producing chèvre, uh, seen in the best shops and restaurants of Australia under the label Holy Goat. Splinting the ankle of a goat is, for this delicate dedicated couple of organic grower producers at least inseparable from the process of pasteurizing their precious milk and aging their snow white curds as the mystery of bacterial fermentation does its trick yet cheese requires great milk and that means healthy pastures and a healthy herd in their one uh, in their case one bred from Sarnen and British Alpine stock, a herd they've spent nearly 20 years developing, nurturing and refining. No wonder this stuff sells for 160 Australian dollars a kilogram in some posh shops. It's really important to understand that the ideal milk for making cheese is completely different to drinking milk, says Monda. By monitoring their 95-strong herd's digestion, rumination and social behaviour and making adjustments accordingly, the former teachers spend their lives in pursuit of the best fresh milk they can produce, specifically for making a range of cheeses. For this couple, it means milking twice a day, every day of the year, regardless of the season, and making cheese every day too. And it's that kind of commitment that's seen them adjust, uh, that's that's seen them accept just about every award their industry has to offer. Last night they added another, and possibly the most significant yet, Holy Goat was named Producer of the Year at the prestigious Delicious Produce Award. The cheese is good, says Monda, but it can be even better. We never, ever believe there isn't a heap more we could do or know. Uh, the, produ- the Delicious Produce Awards recognise growers, harvesters, vendors and value adders throughout Australia's artisan foods landscape. Um, and that, that was the article. So it was good to see that a, a local Victorian mob, um, artisan cheesemakers, got uh, recognition that they well deserved. So congratulations to Anne-Marie and Carla for uh, all their wonderful cheeses they make under the uh, Holy Goat brand. Fantastic to see. Okay, we've got a, a few voicemail questions, and uh, just before I get into the voicemail questions, I apologise that there was no episode last week, uh, and the main reason was there were no questions. So there were no email questions, there were no voicemail questions, and I didn't think that you would like to hear me waffling on in my own voice, making stuff up as I went along. But anyway, we've got some lovely questions this week. Um, and uh, let's play the first one. And the fl- first one is from Holly, who actually helped me out with this week's video. Hi, Gavin. My name is Holly, and I'm here in the United States in Colorado Springs up in the Rocky Mountains. I just want to acknowledge how much 
your podcasts and your education in cheese making makes in this part of the world. I have enjoyed making several of your cheeses, but I just wanted to share with you, you were just now speaking about a Mexican cheese you were going to make, and I wanted to share the pronunciation um, with you coming from um, Arizona and the that Mexican area of, um, of Nogales um, and uh, Edomasio and Wymas, I believe your cheese would be pronounced Oaxaca. It is a town and a region, but it's spelled the way you were saying it. your cheese is spelled. It is Oaxaca. Anyway, God bless you. Thank you for all you do. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, thanks, Holly. Re- really appreciated that, and that did help a lot. Uh, it helped me uh, not muck up the pronunciation of last week's cheese. So uh, thank you once again for um, teaching me how to say Oaxaca. So um, it sounds um, very New Zealanderish, um, but uh, seeing they have a, 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 a tribal thing called a haka. Anyway, it helped. The totally aside. Uh, so nothing to do with Oaxaca, the, the Mexican string cheese, which is absolutely uh, fantastic. And I would make it again in a heartbeat if I had to go back and make all my cheeses again. It would be up there with one of the first ones. Anyway, thank you so much for that. The next question is from Carly, and it's about rennet. Hi, Gavin. I know that in all of your recipes, you use liquid rennet, and I was curious if you could substitute that for rennet tablets, and if you can, what ratio shall, should you substitute them in? Thank you so much in advance. I'm really enjoying the podcast and videos. Well, thanks, Carly. appreciate you taking the time to record the message for me and the question. So, to answer your question, it's not as simple as you think it is. Uh, liquid rennet. Sorry, all rennets have a value uh, that is rated on a scale, and that scale is called the IMCU or International Milk Coagulation Units. So all rennets have this value. So, and it doesn't really matter if you use liquid rennet; it'll have an IMCU rating, or whether it's um, tablet rennet. Now, it also depends on. Um, how much cheese you're making. So for those of you making smaller batches, say three gallons, or in my um, in my case, I use 10 litres, so that's uh, two and a half gallons. What I tend to do is use half a teaspoon, which is 2.5 millilitres for a rennet that has a strength of IMCU 200. Now that I know that sets the milk fine. Now, if I was to use tablet rennet tablets, it depends on the strength of the tablets as well. Now, I've got rennet tablets um, called Fromars 50, and the 50 is how many litres of milk that one tablet can set. So 50 litres is a lot, right? Um, uh, so what I do, and the tablet is actually scored into quarters. So if I'm going to use tablet rennet, I will score just a quarter of that tablet and for my 10-litre recipes, I'll either increase them up to 12 litres or stick at 10, and I'll use quarter of a tablet. So a quarter of the tablet um, equals about 12.5 litres of milk. So it's all on the rating. Now I have other tablets, which only have a rating of 60. 
um, IMCU. So what I would do there, if I was using eight litres of milk, I would use one, two, probably three rennet tablets. It's more like junket, but it's, it doesn't have any um, any other thing except for rennet in it. So um, I would use three tablets to do a 10 litres of milk to get it to set. So like I said, it all depends on the, uh, the IMCU rating of the tablet. And it should say it on the packet. So that's how you gauge how much milk to use. And it should say one tablet will coagulate X amount of litres of milk. And if it doesn't, go onto the website for the manufacturer and check out what they recommend. So that's how you do it. Hopefully that answers your question, Carly, and it was a really good one. So um, thanks for sending it in. Now, the next one is from Adam, and he wants to know about ash. Hi, Gavin. This is Adam from California. I'm about to make my first blue rind cheese, and I was wondering at the end, should I use the salted ash to finish the cheese, or is that just for certain type of blue rind cheeses? Well, thanks, Adam, for your question. Uh, it's up to you. That's the answer. Um, you can make any sort of loomy rind cheese with the same recipe that I do or have shown you on videos or in, in my cheese-making book. Um, and if you prepare the surface of the cheese with um, a salt-ash mix, um, then what that does, it, um, it lowers the acidity so basically it uh, raises the pH um, back to a more neutral um, around about 7. And what that is, is it, prov- it prepares the surface of the cheese for the Penicillium candidum and or Geotrichum candidum moulds and yeasts to grow. Um, and they do ferociously um, once you've ashed the, a cheese. Um, I made uh, my uh, Bloomy Goat Blue, which in the end didn't have much blue in it, but uh, Bloomy Goat Blue, and I prepared that with ash. And it took half the time of what a non-ashed cheese would to start seeing the mould on the surface of the cheese. So it really does prepare the surface of the cheese to accept those sorts of moulds so they can just grow um, like they should. Um, so, like I said, it's up to you, Adam. Uh, it's your choice, and uh, but I do highly recommend you give it a go because it really does change the um, the flavour to a more subtle and mushroomy sort of flavour to those cheeses, and really nice. Um, I'd absolutely make uh, Bloomy Goat uh, again using ash, but I'd probably use a different method, make a an ash wash convert uh, do a and I've seen it on videos before where you get a small container you put some ash in it put water in it and you basically dunk the cheese into the water and ash slurry and uh, that's a better way than dusting it over the top with say a um, a tea ball or something like that but you know I'm not sure I didn't waste any that's for sure and it didn't you didn't feel like you were chewing into a bit of charcoal or anything like that. It tasted perfectly well. So I think that was okay. Anyway, thanks, Adam, for your question. So that's the last of the voicemail questions. We've got a couple of email questions that I want to answer on the show as well. 
So the first one is from uh, Carol Sanchez, and Carol says, Hello, Mr. Weber. I love the videos you have out, but I'm not very clear on the milk. I live in Texas, and there is a place near me where I can go and buy raw cow's milk, but I've read that you have to boil it in order to not get sick. Is that the case? I don't know if I'm doing it right because I go through the process of pasteurization and when I add the rennet, the milk does not coagulate. It does look like the cheese form, but is instantly. Hmm? Um, Can you advise? Thank you, Carol. Uh, Yeah, first, um, first course of order, Carol, do not boil your milk. Um, when you boil the milk, it denatures the proteins and destroys some of the casein, and you will not be able to set rennet, uh, set that milk with rennet um, ever. So, do not boil the milk. What you do is a very limited form of pasteurization called batch pasteurization, or it's called low temperature long hold. Now, there is a video. Um, that I can highly recommend that I made on how to go about doing this uh, form of pasteurization. Now, it's perfectly safe. Um, it's just a lower temperature than what you would see in commercial facilities. So I'll roughly explain the, the process. You take your milk, you put it in a pot on the stove, you heat it up to 63 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Hang on, I'll ask Siri. Um, maybe I won't. I don't have any devices that aren't doing something. Maybe not. Um, so yeah, 63 degrees Celsius, and you hold that for 30 minutes, and then after that 30 minutes has elapsed, you cool the milk down to the temperature that you want to start making your cheese at, or if you're going to use it for storage, then cool it down to four degrees as quick quickly as you can. The way you do that is basically take your pot that you've been using to heat the milk and put it into, um, usually I put it into the sink that's filled full of ice water and that cools the milk down rapidly as fast as you can. Uh, It takes it past the danger zone. So whatever you do, don't boil the milk, use low temperature long hole pasteurization and I promise you, you will get a very good curd set on your cheese. And it will be safe if you're not um, sure of the hygiene of where the milk comes from. So thanks for your email, Carol. The last email is from Joe. And uh, not sure where Joe's from. But Joe says, I love the Parmesan cheese episode, but after watching it, I was curious if it would be possible to add truffle oil flavour to it. I didn't know if you'd ever attempted anything like that before, and if so, what is the method you used? I would assume adding truffle oil at some point, but when would you do this? Thank you for the delicious videos and keep them going. My wife and I are big cheese heads. Well, thank you very much, Joe. I appreciate it. Um, I would... uh, It's very hard to do, adding oil to cheese... uh, is something you shouldn't do during the pressing or anything like that. What you would do is instead of using olive oil to um, coat the surface and help form a rind, a rind you would um, use a bit of truffle oil. I would use every, every second oiling of the cheese if you're going to naturally um, ripen parmesan. 
then um, use truffle oil as the second one. I don't know, it's fairly expensive stuff, but it would impart a bit of a flavour into the cheese. Probably not that much. Very similar to what I tried to do the other day when I made my triple pepper jack and I used a chilli-infused oil. Um, it was either that or the salt that I found that was in the rub that wasn't on the instruction on, on the ingredients list of that rub uh, that actually drew out a lot of moisture, a lot of whey out of the cheese. So I'm thinking when I crack into it very soon, um, then it's going to be a fairly dry sort of cheese. Um, so yeah, you could try that, Joe. That'd be the time I'd do it probably once every, um, every month as the cheese is maturing, um, I would rub it with truffle oil and that would give it a little bit more flavor. So hope that helps. Well, that's all we got time for this week. I do hope that you send in some more questions so we can have a show next week. That would be absolutely fantastic. All you have to do is go to littlegreencheese.com and then on the right-hand sidebar, and you may even see it pop out if you've never visited the page, it'll say leave a message for Gavin. And that way you can record a little voice message using the microphone on your computer. And if you're watching the YouTube version of this, you'll see a little video I've just overlaid and uh, you can see how to record a voicemail message. Just make sure you play it back so that you can make sure that it's audible and I'll be able to listen to it and answer your question. I would hate you to go to all that trouble and me not be able to understand it. Anyway, thank you all the people that sent in a question this week. I appreciate it and via email. Um, it's better coming from you guys. Um, more than it is me reading um, because I do stumble over words and such, but uh, I'd rather listen to your lovely voices than mine. Okay, so just one last thing before I go. If you're in the market for cheesemaking supplies and equipment, then you could do no better than pop over to littlegreenworkshops.com.au uh, and you can find all the cheese-making supplies you will need to make lovely cheeses that I talk about on this show and on the YouTube channel, Cheeseman.tv. Uh, we do ship internationally to the countries that let us, uh, which is most of them, basically. It's probably about five or six that we're not allowed to ship to because their customs don't accept the stuff that I ship. Anyway... You can find my cheese making ebook, Keep Calm and Make Cheese, at all good ebook retailers such as Amazon and Apple iBook Store. You can also find it on my website, littlegreencheese.com, as well as many written recipes uh, that you can make fantastic cheeses with. Well, thanks for listening this week. Uh, and please do tune in for next week's episode of the Little Green Cheese podcast. During this episode, I played music by Kevin McLeod, I played Malt Shop Bop, Call to the Dairy Cows, and News Theme. Also, don't forget that you can leave an iTunes review. Just pop over to iTunes and leave a rating and a review. Thanks for listening once again.